Welcome back to NBA Talk on the KD Pod. Today we have a interesting episode. You know, off the top, we're going to talk about the NBA Finals through two games. Um, game two just finished up last night. We're going to talk about that for a little bit. And then the main entree of today is the top 10 players in the NBA right now. We purposely made this incredibly vague. You know, I, I texted Jared earlier in the week and you know, there's so much criteria that you could place to figure this out, but I wanted to have it purposely vague so we could just compare and contrast. And it was a tough list to figure out, to say the least. So off top, Celtics Warriors are in the finals, man. Two games in, first two games in Golden State. Initial thoughts. Yeah, I only caught sort of the second half of game one, uh, but yesterday I was locked into game two. Um, seems like the general reaction from people is that both teams are playing, you know, pretty well at the top of their games, and it's it's fun basketball to watch. Um, I think you have the top two defenses in the whole NBA, so you certainly got, you know, teams that that work hard, that, that clamp up, and then I would say both teams are kind of known for ball movement, so... I think aesthetically people are pretty satisfied with, with the finals and how it's gone. Um, yesterday was interesting. I think the whole uh, technical situation with Draymond was particularly interesting. It's what I want to bring up to you. Um, you know, you have Steve Javi come on the air and say, um, you know, he sort of supported the ref's decision to not give Draymond uh, that second technical foul. Um, and Steve Javi sort of, admitted that refs take into account, you know, how many technicals a guy has before, you know, making the decision. Um, so I guess throwing it back to you, like, do you agree with that decision to sort of uh, not eject Draymond? Um, and do you think refs should, you know, have some context when making these decisions? Yeah, this was, this was obvious in the moment, like, if Draymond were to get kicked out, it would have been a huge, huge controversy. And as a Celtics fan, I was like, don't kick him out because he, he's going he's gonna to go kicking and screaming into the tunnel and somehow give them momentum for this game and then come back in Boston and somehow have this bigger chip on his shoulder, somehow. Um, I get it. You know, refs are humans. They're not robots. If that was a regular season game, Draymond would have gotten ejected. Like, he was just messing with people all night long. And he already got a technical. So what is he doing having his legs over Jalen Brown's shoulders and then try to take his pants off? Like, some, that's, that's some nonsense that is easily a technical foul. Um, do I think they should have teed him up there? No, I don't, because that would have been ridiculous and it would have been a huge controversy, which they reviewed it and easily decided not to. So I agree with their their decision not to kick him out. Yeah, it's funny. As a fan of, you know, either team, I think you're always just looking for um, – you're looking to give the least amount of excuses to the other fan base. So I think if he was yeah. ejected, that certainly would have been on the table for the Warriors to – uh, you know, complain about. And I think regarding the play, um, 
obviously Draymond's feet were were in Jalen's face. And it was funny that the first person to react was Draymond was upset that Jalen threw his feet off his head. So it was it wasn't that Jalen yeah. wasn't was barely mad about the feet thing. It was somehow Draymond got mad at the fact that a man wanted to not have feet be in his face. And it was just like it was just ridiculous. Like Jalen didn't even really escalate it. So um, I'm yeah. rooting for the Warriors in the series, obviously, but Draymond is is nearly impossible to root for. Um, uh, you know, the one foul he had on Grant Williams um, off the ball when he kind of just drove Grant Williams into the paint and just like fell down. Um, yeah, I think Marcus Smart gets gets sort of lumped in with the Draymond Greens and the Kyle Lowry's of the world, but I think yesterday you kind of you you could kind of see how. Um, they're not even on the same level of, of ridiculousness, I would say. Maybe if Smart was, um, you know, maybe if Smart had a little bit more desperation because it was a game they needed, maybe he would act as crazy as Draymond does. But, I mean, Draymond is kind of – he's one is one in his own because uh, yeah, yesterday was truly a, a masterful performance of ridiculousness from him, I would say. And that's what they needed. That's what they needed, and he wasn't – he didn't do any of that in game one. You know, he actually played pretty terrible in game one. He was two for 12, had four points, and, you know, was turning the ball over left and right. Um, you know, we're just – we're seeing this theme in the playoffs once again of just momentum. Momentum and almost momentum that's so large we have never seen these big of swings in, in NBA games. And as long as I can remember, uh, you know, a 30-point lead seems like it can happen in, in four minutes. You know, we're watching yesterday, and it was the third quarter. The, uh, the Warriors always come out hot in the third quarter. And it was a six-point game halfway through. And next thing you know, it's what, like a 27-2 to run or something? Like, that's ridiculous. Where – it's the three-point shooting. It's the you feel good, I feel good. Let's we all have the green lights. Let's just let it fly. And if the warrior, it's it's really just who's hitting that day. Like the Warriors and the Celtics both have enough weapons to just start hitting everything. And uh, you know, it kind of accumulated with with Jordan Poole at the end of the third quarter, in and out cross from half just water and I was like oh my goodness gracious that's I was I was like a few minutes behind I was watching from a little bit behind and I got a text from my friend about you know pool hit a crazy shot and it was super deep so I'm watching and there's about 35 seconds left and pool's got the two for one going and he takes like a he takes like a three step back three from a few feet behind the line I was like, oh, that's a nice shot. But I was like, that's not that deep. I don't like, why did, why did my friend text me about that? And then they get the rebound with four or five seconds. I thought, oh my God, this is, this is going to be the deep one. Um, yeah, ridiculous shooting. Um, I'd say overall with the Warriors, kind of disappointed in how they've played outside stuff. Um, you know, watching them, I'm not, you know, I don't think Wiggins, I don't think Poole, I don't think Clay has really, you know, showed up to the point where, I'm more confident with a Derek White, you know, ISO or pick and roll right now than I am with, you know, Wiggins or Poole or Clay. I mean, Clay obviously shot terribly yesterday, but um, yeah, I guess I just I I expected more from from Steph's teammates. And uh, as a Celtics fan, I guess I'd be 
confident with the fact that you know no one was really putting their putting their stamp on it um how do you feel as a Celtics fan I think I think you did you did what you needed to do you came away from Golden State with a split you got one win um I don't like how the momentum was you know it's kind of tough to win the first one and then start out hot and then keep it close and just get blown out right at the end of the game. That kind of leaves a, a sour taste in your mouth going into the next game. Um, and I think it was a bad loss too. It was, you know, it was uh, uh, to, to go 25 plus points without scoring is, uh, is ridiculous for a finals team. So there's some things that are a little, that make me a little worried, but we're going back to Boston. We got a split. Like, I couldn't really ask for much more. Yeah. When Poole hit the shot, Ime took out all five starters to start the fourth. Did you did you agree with that? Um, I was watching yeah. someone, and he, and he was like, he was like, he was like, why is everyone out? Like, like you said, they can games can swing so quickly. It seemed like last night's game wasn't going to swing, but um, it was sort of interesting to see Ime bench the starters. Um, if they're down one nothing, like there's no way he benches the starters, right? There's got to be some psychology in that a little bit, right? Oh yeah, yeah, they're definitely they, thirty, twenty, and thirty are so much different. Like you, you have a you know in two possessions, if it's twenty point lead, you could make it twelve, almost. But thirty, the game's over, especially if there's a quarter left, the game's over. So, and he didn't. He didn't really put in the bench warmers. He he had Pritchard, White, Naismith, Grant, and Tice out there. Yeah. He, he had I, like six through ten, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, which I thought was the right thing to do. You don't want to yeah. like wave the white flag, but you want to, you know, not play Jason and and, and Brown because they weren't playing well. Horford played awful too. They were turning the ball over. That's the theme for the Celtics. If they turn the ball over a lot, which they have a weird thing about finding momentum for that, like if they're turning it over, it seems like they're just always turning it over. Um, that's kind of the thing. They just got to take care of the ball. So I will uh, I'll be around TD for game three. Definitely not buying a ticket, but I'll be at a bar nearby rooting them on, and then hopefully we get a win. So. Looking forward to, you know, the first finals game in Boston in 12 years, for sure. Yes, sir. Can't be a good so, experience at a bar, can it? Oh, yeah. I mean, if it's right next to yeah. – I don't know if you're – No, I would bar. just worry about being able to hear and see, I guess. But it's definitely fun. Oh, yeah. it's. I think it's seating, so we'll make it work. Uh, all right, so NBA top 10. You know, if we had – we had done this like two weeks ago might have been different We'd done it a month ago two months ago this list is just so ever-changing which i think is fascinating it, you know going through this list you really see how deep the talent in the nba is right now which is great if you're an nba fan so the way we're going to do is we're going to do top three compare top five compare and then the top 10 and some honorable mentions so i'll get it started all right we got top three here 
at the first one, the most unstoppable player on earth is Giannis Antetokounmpo. He's number one. He's the best, most unstoppable player on the planet. You know, if they have Chris Middleton, they're probably in the finals right now. And he is just destroying Draymond right now. Like, that's all they would have to guard him, and he would be absolutely dunking on him at every possession. But Giannis, number one. KD, number two. He played terrible his playoffs, but he's still Kevin Durant. And then LeBron James at number three because he almost led the league in scoring. His team was buns, but if you put him where Tatum is, the Celtics are exactly where they are now. Like, you put LeBron on any team that's a playoff surrounding caliber team, you know, he's, he's putting them above the rest. So, that's my top three. What you got? Yeah. Um, I have the identical top three in order, um, which I love wow. because, yeah, we, wow. we have – I think we both have slightly different criteria and uh, we didn't discuss this at all. So, I love that we have the same top three. Um, a few things, I guess, with Giannis. Um, I really liked how he handled himself in the Boston series, as you said, without Chris. Um, with Chris, I think, like you said, they're probably in the finals. Um, but without him, I just think he put in a really nice performance, um, doing everything, scoring points, you know, creating, creating offense for his team. Uh, I'll always remember that game five, uh, in the garden. Um, you know, I think they were, uh, down six with like two minutes. He hit that big three at the top of the key. We talked about it and then missed the missed the free throw and then they got the offensive rebound it was a meltdown by the Celtics um and yeah I just thought Giannis was huge all series really can't um you know complain about his game whatsoever every year he gets better uh works his absolute butt off just wants just wants to win at all costs so I agree he is number one for me um and then I went KD and LeBron. I think um I was surprised you had LeBron third especially as a, a Celtics fan I can't remember what your exact opinion on him is as a player um, because most Celtics fans I know are, are pretty strong haters, but I do think, um, you know, with a good cast around him, he still has the ability to uh, yeah be the best player in a series against most teams. Um, and so, yeah, I have an identical top three as you. I love that. That's great. Um, most casual Celtics fans hate LeBron, right? But um a little more savvy of a basketball fan, I'd like to think. And LeBron is just absolutely incredible. Like, one of my favorite things to mention in terms of, you know, my basketball watching, you know, career, whatever you want to call it, is 2018 playoffs. Watching LeBron all the way up to game one of the finals where, where J.R. Smith, you know, did that, uh, that mess up play. And that was the best I've ever seen any basketball player ever play, you know, in, in my life. He was uh, not only all these things physically and mentally, which we already knew, like he's a point guard, he's 6'9", he's, you know, 250, all these things. But he was hitting this to the left step back from the left wing like, like he was Steph Curry. Like it was actually knocked down. He, I think he hit six or seven of those 
in a row against Toronto and Toronto when they, I think they called it like LeBronto. That was a game or something. So there's my, there's my tangent on LeBron where. Yeah. No, he's that's the best player I've ever seen. You know, he's just yeah. old now. No, I couldn't agree more. Um, 2018, especially, it's just like a special playoffs for me. Obviously, it was the year we graduated high school, but you had the Warriors and the Rockets going at it in the West, and then you just had LeBron absolutely tearing apart the East. Um, seven game Celtics. series, seven game Celtics, series with Boston yeah. was incredible. I mean, his teammates were, you know. I don't Kevin Love was Jeff, still still Jeff around, Green. but it was Jeff Green, Jordan Clarkson, um, George Hill, all these guys. And um and then game one, as you said, I think he had a 51 point triple double, uh, just absurd game. Um absurd. I, I know podcasters like to I think it's Bill Simmons likes to mention that's like one of the greatest games he's ever seen live from a player. So yeah, yeah I mean 20, 2018 LeBron was was incredible. Um and yeah, I think he's got a little bit more in the tank. Hopefully the Lakers help him out a little bit, but uh, the, I I miss him in the playoffs honestly. So I want to see him back next year. I really want to see him back. Seriously, as as does most of America, you know LeBron not in the playoffs. There's there's a little something missing. All right, so four and five here. This is where I went to the centers, and it was pretty easy. It was uh, I just went the MVP first and then the non-NVP second. So it was Jokic and then Embiid. Um, Non-MVP. That's right. You know, I just give it on a word. Who do I think is better? Like, it's tough. Because I, I, like, I like how Embiid plays defense. You know, I like how Embiid is a super, like a super plus defender. While Jokic, his passing is amazing. He makes everyone better. But he's in the playoffs, like, you just put him in pick and roll and, you know, this, someone like the Suns can just sweep a team like that, you know. So I went Jokic and then Embiid because of awards and, I don't know, advanced stats, whatever you want to say it. But, yeah, that was my four and five, Jokic and then Embiid. Yeah, so I have them – I don't have them fourth and fifth. I don't have either of them in the top five for me. Um, mm. I do have them flipped. As you mentioned, I have Embiid slightly ahead of Jokic, but um, obviously a coin flip there. Um, so, yeah, I, I went with two other guys as fourth and fifth, um, and this is sort of where we get into a little bit of different criteria about how I rate guys. Um, mm -hmm. I think – so I have Embiid and Jokic. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I was showing my list to my brother, and he was like, where's your guy? I was like, come on. Like, I know I rant about him, but uh, I'm realistic about it. Anyway, I have Embiid and Jokic um, seventh and eighth on my list, actually. And I guess that comes from just, I guess, how I value centers a little bit, maybe lower than, than some. Um, my fourth player is Luka Doncic, and my fifth player is Kawhi Leonard. Um, when we talk about criteria, obviously he hasn't played in, in 12 months, so um, I do believe he'll have a, a really nice season next year. and. Um, yeah, those are my fourth and fifth. I guess for Luca, um, obviously his playoff performance speaks for itself. He's an incredible playoff performer in his in his first few years in the league. Um, we both like the idea of a six eight point god who does everything. So I think that speaks for itself. Um, and 
And yeah, I just rate him super highly. When it comes to Kawhi, he was obviously incredible in last year's playoffs before he he messed up his knee. Um, and I think if he gets healthy next year, he's going to remind us that he is in that tier with Giannis, KD, and LeBron. So uh, that's that's who I have with fourth and fifth. Yeah, I can completely agree with that with Kawhi. Kawhi's just hurt, so it's hard to you know it's hard to rank him. Honestly, I, if he's healthy. I think he can be the best player in the NBA. Just his, you know, his uh, his offense. I don't want to say Michael Jordan, but he has that that quiet killer clutch mentality. That you combine that with just the freakishly large hands he has and the defensive capability. Like he's got everything. He's got everything you'd want besides leadership capabilities. That's really it, or playmaking. But, okay, I, I completely get that. So, Luca, we, I think we disagree a little bit here. Four for Luca. My biggest thing is his defense. He is a minus defender on defense. Being a, a two-way player is the most impactful type of superstar in today's league. If you are a minus on one end, in the playoffs, you get hunted and you get picked on and tired out and get in foul trouble. And you see it with these players like, I want to say Curry, because Curry's actually gotten better as, as a defender, but you know, there's really none left in the playoffs, which is interesting. You know, Luca is gone. Harden is gone. Um, trying to think who else. Jordan Poole. Yeah, Jordan Poole, they can't really play that small death lineup anymore, but there's there's a lot of those players and that's that's the bit that was my one criteria. So I actually have Luca much further down on the list. But so I'll just I'll flow right into uh the rest of my list then. So so my top five was Giannis, KD, LeBron, which we agreed on. And I have the two centers, Jokic and Embiid. So six through 10, I have Steph Curry. Yeah, you just want to you just want to go to eight, maybe, because I feel like. Sure, uh, sure. The last two might be. Yeah, let's do it. Okay. So I have Curry, Kawhi, and Jason Tatum. Um, Jason Tatum is almost like a game-to-game type of player like one game man he'll look he'll look like the next coming of like Dirk or Larry Bird or something and then the next game he has seven turnovers and I want to break my tv when I watch it so that like man it's it's tough but his ability to shoot the three play defense his size all these things Tatum at eight, and then Kawhi at seven. Again, what I said with Kawhi, he could be the best player in the league. He's just hurt. And then Curry, man, it's it's really tough to be a fan against Curry. Like, really, really tough because he's spectacular, and everything he everything he makes, it's like a it's like a dagger. It's like almost everyone is a dagger because. He needs this much space to get it off, and he can shoot it from anywhere, going at any speed. 
which is just, it looks so difficult and you're waiting that high arcing three. And then if it's in the chase center, the crowd goes crazy. It's one of the biggest weapons in the league in terms of, you know, fan fans loving it and it's, it's skill level. So that's my six through eight. What about you? Yeah, this is the first series I've rooted for Curry since probably 2014, like legitimately. So I, I can't, I definitely don't relate to the struggling to root against him. Um, you know, every Cavaliers finals, I've rooted for LeBron. Every Rockets playoff series, I've rooted for the Rockets. So this, it's weird rooting for him this series. Um, he obviously is incredible. Uh, we both have him, we both have him at six, actually. So um, we're together there. And then our top eight has the same eight guys, except uh, you have Tatum, I have Luca. Um, so yeah, I definitely want to discuss the two of them. My 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 top eight rounds out with Embiid and Jokic, like I mentioned. So uh, we both have six. We both have Steph at six. You have the two centers right above him. I have two the two centers right below him. Um, and yeah, I guess let's get right into talking about Tatum versus Luca. It's actually it's a funny comparison because my friend texted me probably two weeks ago, and he was like, "I think Tatum's better than Luca." Luca was going he was going crazy in the um, game seven against Phoenix, and he was he was playing pretty well against Golden State. And my my friend, my Celtics friend, was like, "I think Tatum's better than Luca." And I said, uh, "I said I think you're crazy." Um, but now you've brought on the, the same argument, so I definitely want to discuss it. Um, I think our major, uh, you know, difference in thought is the defense in terms of uh, you value it super highly. Um, I think Jason Tatum got a first team all defense vote this year, which I think is a little premature, but ultimately he is a, he's an excellent defender. Um, and Luca definitely lacks there. Um, so, you know, if we want to use that argument, totally understandable. I think what Luca does on offense is, you know, transcendent. I don't think we're arguing, you know, how good both guys are. They're both amazing. Um, I just value sort of what Luca does on offense a little bit more than Tatum because, you know, he is a pure point guard, sets everyone up. Um, and yeah, Tatum obviously has inconsistencies, but I mean, he's so young. I don't really uh, hold it against him too much when he has up and down games. Uh, I just, I, I just value the, I guess the point guard spot a little bit more um, in terms of, you know, creating offense for the entire team. And uh, it's not like Luca doesn't have, you know, an ISO game or, a, you know, a step back game. I think it's all still there. So I, I value Luca's offense a little bit higher. Um, the defense is obviously a concern, um, but I guess I'm curious, do you, do you rate Tatum's offense higher than Luca's? And is it just the defense or is Tatum just better on both ends, do you think? Good question. The offense. I think it's uh, unfair to just kind of label it as offense. I think that, you know, you could segment it into, you know, scoring and then playmaking. Um, in terms of scoring, I think Tatum is better just with he has – he's more athletic. He's got more of a I – I don't want to say more of a bag, but he's just got yeah. – I'm trying to think here. He's he's definitely a better scorer because of his athleticism. And then he shoots a much higher percentage from both three and two. You know, Luca, that's kind of been his thing is 
he'll launch, but he's going to shoot kind of mid to low 30s from three and shoot mid to low 40s from, from the field. But then you go to playmaking, and then Tatum's average to getting better, and then Luka is, you know, Jokic level. He's, he's got that European eyes in the back of his head, spectacular creating ability, which definitely gives him an edge. But just like Jokic, that playmaking and offensive skill is making up for him being really slow, consistently out of shape, a negative defender. And my thing with, with Luka is, is his usage. He loves to just dominate the ball like Harden. And that type of basketball, where you got four dudes standing in corner A, corner B, wing A, and wing B, and you're just watching the dude, who's going who's gonna to set me a screen and I get a switch, and then I go ISO, and if I get a double, I whip it to whoever's open in the corner. That type of basketball is getting played out by good teams, you know. Maybe that's Luca with bad teammates. I don't know, but yeah, no, I mean it, we... it's a good point. It's it's a good point, and sorry to interrupt, but I mean it's just it's literally just a hardened conversation over again in terms of, uh, yeah, I value that that guy a little bit higher than you do. Um, it remains to be seen, you know, if that wins. Um, Harden made one conference final with the Rockets, maybe two. Uh, Luca has now made one conference final. There's a good chance Luca never makes the finals because this way of playing, like you said, is just not, you know, it's not that profitable, honestly. Um, I love watching it. I'm just like, I'm thrilled to watch it. And so maybe that's why I'm ranking it higher. But in terms of winning basketball games, winning championships, I mean, I think there's a good argument that that, that style of basketball is just not going to work and you'd rather go for the, the two-way player. So I definitely don't have any beef with with those takes i it's probably the right it, you're probably making the right argument um and i'm probably just my you know my what are you, you know, like the, way I like, the way i like the way i like to watch basketball i guess is just uh, clouding my judgment here um what, what do you like about i like i like this i like walking it up the floor and dissecting the defense i think that's fascinating um mm-hmm. i love you know ISO basketball is fun. I, I love watching it because uh, I don't know. It's just not to sound like ball don't stop, but it's just so pure. It's just, it's literally me and you. And can I hit a shot over you? It's like as simple as that. Um, and then there's obviously wrinkles out of, you know, the basic stuff that, that the former Rockets and current Mavs do. Um, but it's pretty uh, simple. It's just mismatch hunting. Um, and yeah, I just love watching a guy dominate at the peak of his powers uh, the step back is fun to watch when it's going in. It seems unstoppable. Um, I love, you know, the passes, the cross court passes, which Luca does really well. Harden does. So, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, almost everyone hates it. Like it, most people think it's, you know, aesthetically unpleasing to watch a guy dribbling for the whole time, but, um, I just prefer it over ball movement. I don't know what it is. <laughs> it's really just like a weird bias I have, but that's how okay, I do so, it. Yeah. So going, going into this, this is, I just pulled this up on basketball reference. This is a great thing to look at. It's highest regular season usage rates of all time. So number one, obviously, Russ in his MVP year, 41.6% usage in 2016-2017. They were a first-round exit. Number two is Harden in 2018-2019, 40 
0.4% usage. And that's, you know, the amount of playmaking he's doing for his team. And then Kobe, Kobe in 06, when he had 80, 81. And you have Russ again in 14, 15, when KD was hurt. Five is MJ, 38.2. And in 86, 86, his second year in the league. I think he was MVP, but they, they lost to the Celtics in the first round. AI in 01, Giannis in 2020, Luca this year, Embiid this year, and the last one in the top 10 is Luca the year before. And you look at all these seasons of these players, first round exits. When you just give someone the ball and say, do everything for us, I don't know. Would you want to be on a pickup team? where one dude brings it up every time and shoots 40% of the time and then passes the other 20%. And, you know, if you're just other dudes on his team, you're, you're kind of like disengaged. You're not as uh, enthusiastic. You're not moving the ball as much. You finally touch the ball once you're like, oh, crap, I, I got a shot. I got to shoot it. And it's not in rhythm. Maybe it's not a good look as – as good as you could get. So that's that's just my gripe with the usage guys like Harden, like Luca, like Russ, where if you have the ball that much, the basketball product that you produce, it, it's kind of a little gross. Yeah. No, I mean you're you're in the majority there. Most people hate it. Um I'd like to separate Russ from the other two in terms of, you know, efficiency, I'd say. But, I mean, your point still stands about, you know, how often one guy is touching the ball. I think Harden's, you know, most successful years, he had Chris Paul next to him. I think if Luka gets, you know, a guy that he can trust next to him, you know, maybe he sees the finals. But back to my original point, yeah, this type of basketball probably um, has a ceiling. Um, and I don't mind rank- I don't mind ranking Luka that high because I think – um, you know, while he may be the reason for the ceiling, he's also, you know, the reason why they're in the conference finals to begin with. So I'm fine with my ranking, uh, but definitely totally, totally understand, uh, you having Tatum above him. Um, I'm curious what your, what your nine ten looks like and uh, how many guys did you have, um, in the mix for those two spots? It was, so what I had was Jimmy Butler and then Luca is nine and 10. Um, again, gave Jimmy the edge because of two-way ability. And then his performance in, against the play, against the Celtics in the playoffs, you know, he's looking like LeBron a little bit out there. Um, but then, like you've mentioned, he has the tendency to, like, just completely disengage in games if he doesn't, you know, feel like he's going to win or, like, feel like it's worth utilizing the energy um which is a little weird but i didn't i didn't really have anyone else like i didn't consider anyone else in that top 10 um because the other guys kind of dealt with injuries had down years um so i had i had jimmy and luca why don't, why don't you give me nine ten and then your honorable mentions as well and kind of who else you considered yeah so we have uh, we had nine of the 10, the same. Um, and 
I, I genuinely felt like I was doing this uh, unbiasedly, but um, I left I left your Celtic out of my top ten. I had him eleven. Yeah. Um, I'm fine. That's fine. Honestly, yeah, that's understandable. <laughs> it's close. It's obviously close, and um, you know, I think it was just a year ago that I was telling my Celtics friends I didn't think he was top fifteen. I genuinely didn't at the time, but I mean, he's just gotten so. I, I think he had a much better year than he did last year. Um, obviously, first team All NBA is nothing to um to frown at he wasn't a top five player but you know the way the positions work he was on that team yeah. and so uh you have to give him his respect uh another first team all nba or devin booker he's in my honorable mentions uh, i don't think he's in that that top 10 but i mean uh you have luca 10th you have tatum eighth and booker's out of your top 10 and all three of those guys made first team all nba so that kind of shows you you know that that only goes so far with those awards. Um, I did have Jimmy ninth, I think, as you did. Um, and yeah, I, I, last time we talked, I was kind of um, destroying him a little bit and saying the Celtics should be confident going up against him in the conference finals. And then he just absolutely blew me away with his performance. I think he had multiple 40-point games. Uh, game six in Boston was just incredible. Um, like you said, reminds reminds us of... 2012 game six LeBron in in the garden I mean just hitting every shot hit threes um just absolutely phenomenal performance really can't um really can't say anything bad about him and then in the post game you know he's given all his credit to his teammates I mean he's just I he's pretty hard to root against he, he doesn't grip for fouls he almost never falls on a jump shot like he refuses to try to like get fouls calls I think maybe inside <laughs> Inside, he goes for foul calls, but he, he's never trying to draw stuff on the outside. He pretty much just wants to get his buckets. So, yeah, I mean, he he was just incredible, and I can't really deny those performances in the playoffs, despite how uh, frustrating he can be to watch in the regular season. Um, so I had him ninth. And then, uh, yeah, you said you didn't really consider anyone else for the top ten because guys were injured. I have an injured guy uh, at the ten spot, which you can probably guess, and that's uh, – that's Damian Lillard, who I have ten. Um, yeah, similar to similar to Kawhi, I think he'll. I think he could easily just have a really good year. Similar to how I feel about Harden. Obviously, Harden was healthy, but I mean, I think these guys who have put together, you know, first team All NBA seasons in the past, who just you know get a little banged up, it's just so easy to forget about them. So, I do think next year I'd want uh, Dame slightly over Tatum. It's obviously very close, but um, once again, just like Kawhi. Um, just like Kawhi Dame was so good in the 2021 playoffs, the one game against the Nuggets where he had like three threes in the last like 40 seconds. I mean, he's just so ridiculous to watch. So uh, maybe this is my bias towards point guards, but um, I'm going to rate him 10th. And yeah, maybe it's just my bias against the Celtics. I honestly, I, I don't know. I haven't confirmed that I'd want Dame over um, Tatum. Um, Okay. I never really discussed okay. my I never really discussed my criteria. My criteria is who do I want in like a seven game series. So uh, mm-hmm. I don't need him for the whole year, but I was just thinking, yeah, I might want Dame over Tatum in a seven game series, but it's close. Wow. Wow. That's yeah. I couldn't couldn't, couldn't disagree more with the Tatum Dame thing. Tatum is six, he's like almost six ten and can can shoot an ISO step back three just as well as as Dame can, and you just you can't teach 
you know, eight extra inches of height and and that much length and that much youth. Like, sure, you could throw a little criteria of like next five years, like, you know, career trajectory. Um, my thing with Dame was, was he, so he played a little bit of this season, right? And then he, he got an ab injury or something. And it was, that's a crazy, that's a weird injury. That's like, that affects your every movement. So his shooting was terrible. But you, you look back a month or so, and in the Olympics, when Dame was playing in the Olympics, he was playing awful. They couldn't even play him. And you look at the roster, you know, that's kind of a good indication of, like, who has more value when they're all on the same team. You know? I forgot. I forgot they played on that team together. I think, I think he was hurt. I thought he was hurt in the Olympics. Mm-hmm. Maybe he wasn't because, like, I always – was the ball. Like, he, he couldn't he, – he didn't like the FIBA ball. Like, let me see here. I guess he couldn't, couldn't get, like, a good grip on, on this style, FIBA, the Molten. And I'm like, dude, it's a basketball. Like, yeah, you're, guys you're, were complaining about the, the Wil- Yeah, guys were complaining about the Wilson earlier in the year. I'm gonna do. I'm gonna do some research on uh, that Olympic run for Dame. But yeah, he was awful. Um, what do you like? Defense. What do you? What do you? Pro- yeah, that's fair. What do you project about him next year? Yeah, I think like that, a- that's all this is. Like, one, I'm saying, once he's healthy, I think he'll be. I think in a seven game series, I'd really want him. Is what I'm saying. So yeah. I'm just like, you know, he has no defensive value at all. He is like an average playmaker, maybe above average playmaker. Um, and then it's just about like how how is his shooting? If you look at his playoff stats outside of that game winner against the Dwight Howard Rockets, the game winner against OKC, and PG and that uh that game against Denver where he's cooking Austin Rivers. We look outside of those three series, he actually shoots like 30% from three, 35% from the field, 19, 20 points a game. He's actually not that good in the playoffs. Um when he's not just hitting a buzzer beater and torching dudes so he's, he's kind of hit or miss as a lot of these players are but if you can't bring that defensive value every game that doesn't rely on hot shooting you know I think it's I don't know I think it's more valuable to have like a, a playmaking versatile defensive guard rather than a, a high usage uh, high pick and roll every time launch from 30 feet guard and that's kind yeah. of what we're seeing. Unless he's Curry, yeah. unless you shoot like Curry, man, like that's the difference. You got to be Curry. Wait, I think. Curry? Yeah, I I think this is obviously similar to the Luca conversation. I guess what I'm thinking is, you know, if I had to pick one player to sort of have to build around, and I can't really, um, I can't know who my guys are around him. Um, a guy like Luca, a guy like Dame, is sort of an offense onto himself. And I'm valuing that a little highly. If Dame has, uh, or sorry, if Tatum doesn't have Jalen Brown, Marcus Smart, all these switchable guys, all these guys who can create their own shot, you know, can he sort of do it on his own sort of thing? So I guess I'm valuing the the do-it-yourself guys a little bit more. 
but to your point, the ceiling is much higher with a guy like Tatum Butler, you know, two way guys who, um, you know, you need a good team around them, but uh, the ceiling can be higher. So I guess that's where we differ. Um, and then who, who are your guys just on the fringe? I had Anthony Davis, Dame, and then Paul George. What do you have? Yeah, no, that's good. I honestly forgot about PG and AD. I'm kind of just keeping to the side because he's just been poor for a while. Um, mm-hmm. I had uh, John Morant and Devin Booker, uh, not necessarily on the fringe, but just guys to look out for. Um, I really liked what Ja did in the playoffs. Um, I was sort of skeptical about how his game would translate. And it's certainly not foolproof that he'll be a great playoff performer, but um, kind of torched the Warriors. I, I mean, he torched them in one game, and then I thought he played pretty well in the others. Um, his shot's obviously a question, but uh, he just had that sort of look in his eye that even though he's not a pure shooter, he's just going to get it done when it mattered. So I was really impressed with with his performance in the playoffs this year. Um, and I'm not a huge Devin Booker fan, but um, he was awesome in the playoffs last year. Um, and uh, yeah, I guess uh, I'd be curious to see if he can break in uh, in a few years. But yeah, like you said, PG and, a- and AD are probably much more likely to uh, to get back in it next year than those young guys are. Yeah, AD, I think AD has, he's like, his stock is really low right now um, with the injuries. And then there's some ridiculous stat from the beginning of the season where he was a historically bad jump shooter, like one of the worst jump shooters of all time to start a season yeah. or something. And, you know, once that, stuff, once that gets tweeted out, that can kind of mess you up and then you strain your calf which he's always, he's always injury prone. Um, but if you, if you ask me this, like right after the bubble, you know, I think AD's like top six. I yeah. remember doing this. He's say he was six or seven, you know, um, just cause it's the two way ability. You know, he can be that. He could shoot a three, he could post up, he can get you a bucket on offense. And then he can also be a all defense type defender. Like that is, Man, that's so hard to find. So hard yeah. to find. His jumper in the bubble was obviously amazing. And then it just completely fell off since then. Um, yeah. And it doesn't um, – I, I think it sort of matches the eye. I mean, I don't think it's, he's got an ugly jumper, but uh, the shots he was hitting in the bubble were just crazy. Um, so I guess I wouldn't be surprised if his jumper never really returns. Um his defense is phenomenal, like you said. Um, but unlike Embiid and Jokic, you know, he can't have really a high usage. That's not the type of player he is. Um, yeah, he defers. He's probably – he's just an incredible number two. Um, and, yeah, I just – obviously, I rank those guys a little bit lower than you do. But, but yeah, he's – as a number two, he's he's phenomenal. So, maybe, maybe uh, LeBron can bring him back to the playoffs and we can see just how good he is. Yeah. All right. Well, any any last notes on that top ten? I think I think we got a got, got a cohesive list. So, just run through it one last time. I got Giannis, KD, LeBron, Jokic, Embiid, Curry, Kawhi, Tatum, Jimmy Butler, and then Luka Doncic, with uh, AD, Dame, and PG peeking over the fence. What 
I have, I have, I have Giannis, KD, LeBron as my top three as well. I have Luca number four, Kawhi number five, Steph number six, Embiid number seven, Jokic number eight, Jimmy Butler number nine, and little old Damian Lillard at number ten. James Harden's looking, looking over the fence, wondering when his day will come where he's back in it, and that is what I'll leave you with. Word. All right, this has been NBA Talk on the KD pod and we're out.